0: Hello and welcome to the Snippets of Leadership Podcast. One thing is for certain. Your team's decision-making process should never end in a deadlock. If it does, it's probably a sign that your team cannot work well together. Picture this. You need to make a decision well and fast. So you bring in your best people to give input and help you out. And instead of working together to find the best option they all just bring and defend their own point of view and don't let go. So you end up stuck in the middle of the process with pretty much nowhere to go and on top you may be even working remotely which does not help when not everyone sees eye to eye. If you've been anywhere near this situation you know how hard it is to find a way out and not surprisingly the best way to avoid a deadlock is to not give it any chance in the first place. And in this episode, I'm going to show you a way to do exactly that. Anytime you need to take a strategic decision for which you can't afford endless arguments, you need to divide your team in five smaller groups, each one with a clear function. Group one recommends solutions. Group two provides input to group one. Group three agrees or vetoes those solutions. Group four decides what solution to pick, and group five executes. Each group can play that one role however they want, but they're not allowed to ever interfere into what another group is doing. Let's go through them one by one. Group one, recommend, needs to come up with one or more proposals for the decision. To build these proposals, they need to gather information. They can do that as they want, and if they think they need a hand, they can involve Group 2, the ones that provide input. Group 2, the ones that do provide input, they only react when prompted. Their job is to provide what is asked as precisely and as timely as they can to Group 1. Once Group 1 is done, and their proposals are ready, with or without the input of Group 2, they bring them over to group three, the ones that agree. This group looks at the different proposals and can decide to send them back and ask for another iteration. They can veto one or more, and they can agree with the options and take them all up to the decision maker, which is, of course, group four. The decision maker will then identify which proposal to go for. In doing so, he or she carries the whole responsibility for choosing the right one. So, Group 4 is the ultimate responsible for the whole process and the appropriateness of the decision. And once the choice has been made, enter Group 5, whose task is to put everything into practice as effectively as possible. This is a decision-making process called RAPID, originally designed by Bain, if I'm not wrong and it's designed to maximize time efficiency and cut down discussions to a minimum. So as you can see, it leaves complete freedom to each group on how to fulfill their task and completely closes off interference from other areas. This is because you can't waste time and you need to allow people maximum focus and independence to do their job well. So to recap it once more, group one recommend comes up with a few proposals for the decision. Group two provides input to group one only if asked by group one. Group three, agree, reviews the proposals by group one and can ask for a review, can veto one or more, or can take them all to the decision maker. Group four is the decision maker and that person carries the whole responsibility of the choice and group five, are the ones in charge of implementing the chosen solution. And an extra note, if for any reason, group one and three, the ones that come up with proposals and the ones that can veto or agree to them, enter a conflict and do end up in a deadlock, it is up to group three, the ones that agree, to take it up to the decision maker, who will then act as a mediator and break the conflict. This is a fail-safe device, just to make sure the process keeps going. So you have all the basics to apply this decision-making process in practice. And here are a couple of extra considerations for you. First of all, let roles be independent of hierarchy. You can choose to keep the role of decision-maker or to assign it to someone else. And you can do the same with all other roles. The only thing that matters is each person's capability to fit a specific role given the topic and the rules they play may be different with every decision. Second, before you get started, make sure everyone knows the rules well and don't allow interference across groups. Third, remember that the ultimate responsible is the decision maker. Make sure this person is aware of the weight placed upon him or her and be 100% sure that they can take it. If you apply the system well, Considering these three points above, you can directly count on a more efficient use of your time, on circumventing typical team behaviors in uncertainty, and you'll be able to cut down on your chances of being paralyzed by a deadlock. You can start with a test on one decision, and once your team has worked with it, you can even have different decision processes running in parallel. Once it becomes part of your way of working, you'll be making a consistently better use of everyone's time, skills, and resources, including yours. Thank you for listening. My name is Eduardo Zane from EBZ Coaching. I'm a leadership and communication trainer and consultant. And if you have any questions about what you've heard in this episode, please reach out to me via LinkedIn, Facebook, or my website. I'll be answering the most interesting questions on the show. And if you know someone that will benefit from this type of content, please make sure you recommend this podcast to them. Thank you and see you next time.